lot of stuff you have to deal with. Younger kids, older kids. It doesn't get easier. I don't think it gets more difficult. It just gets different. And there's lots of things we have to deal with as parents just as we uh, go through our lives and the lives of our children and, and we do the best we can. There are, there are different struggles that we face uh, raising kids, especially our teens. And as parents, you, you just know it's not easy. Uh, Michelle and I have some things to us that are important that we teach our kids. Uh, we want our children to treat not only each other, but other, others with respect. We, we want them to use their yes ma'am and yes sir and no ma'am and no sir. We want them to look somebody in the eye when they're having a conversation, to offer a firm handshake and, and a warm smile. We want them to, to be uh, nice to other people. We want Kale to be a gentleman, to open the door for his mother and his sisters, to walk on the sidewalk side of the street, to let them go first, to carry in the groceries, to hold the door for strangers. We want them to, to do those things. We want them to, to do academically well and, and make good friends. We want them to identify their, their talents and their passions. We want them to be well-rounded in life. And all those things are important to us as parents that we teach our children, but they're not the most important thing, at least not the most important thing for Michelle and I. What, what is most important for us is that our children fall madly in love with God. And that they begin now serving God and, and loving Jesus Christ more than anything else. And everything else takes second place. And I believe that as parents, the most significant thing we will teach our children is to provide for them a place where they can not only learn about a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they will, they will see that relationship with Jesus Christ. And they will want that relationship with Jesus Christ. They need to see that modeled throughout their life. So how do we as imperfect and sinful parents hope to accomplish that. And what I want to try to do today is to share a few suggestions as to what we as parents can do for our children. And even if you don't have children or your children are gone, I think there are some things in here that we can open ourselves up to, to what God may be saying to you today. Because while these principles are going to be focused at parents, they really apply to everyone, young, old, parent or not. I think there's something there for us. The first thing I think we need to do is we need to decide what is most important. What is most important in your life? What is the most important thing you desire to teach your children? And that's really what parenthood is all about, deciding what's most important. Not only uh, passing on that information, but demonstrating that to our children as we go through our life. Jesus was asked the question, uh, what is the, the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? And in Mark chapter 12... Jesus answered with these words, uh, beginning in verse 30. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus was asked, What's the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? And he responded with, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Nothing else is better than those. Nothing else is bigger than those. Nothing else is more important than those. And out of that, uh, what Jesus shared, I, I want to share just a few things uh, of what I believe we can apply to our life. And what I'm going to tell you probably isn't new information for you, but, but I hope that it will be something that you will open yourself up to and apply to your life today. The most important thing, 
is what Jesus said the most important thing is. I invite you to write this down in your bulletin. It's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said it best. We're just going to repeat it so that we can get it. Would you say that with me? Would you say those words? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's what Jesus said. And whether you're a parent or not, this is something that is important to each and every one of us. It's something that we can demonstrate to everyone that we come in contact with. I know a lot of parents who desire to have spiritual instruction for their children, even if they themselves are not religious or don't go to church. It's something they want for their children, some type of spiritual instruction. And if you talk to parents, it's important to them for their child to be a good moral person, an upstanding citizen. They desire that their, their child hangs out with the, the good kids at school and, and does well academically and in sports and other things as well. And, and there's nothing wrong with having those desires for your children. But while we try to, to teach our children, if we, if we emphasize those things to our children, oftentimes as parents, we begin focusing on the external part of our children. And, and in focusing on the external part, oftentimes people end up really unhappy. It's what we call performance-based love, and I talked about that last week uh, in, in the message. And so I want to propose to you a different way of looking at this. One child development expert says that he sees children as having an inner circle and an outer circle to their lives. He said his goal is that the inner circle for the, his children to be filled with love and with wisdom of God. And he, he wants them to be so filled with self-esteem, knowing that they're, an, they're made in the image of God, that it will flow out of their inner circle and will start affecting all the other areas of their lives. I would suggest too often we're more concerned with that outer circle. That's where we put our focus and, and our energy. And it's, it's really easy to focus on making sure that external circle looks right. And, and I think one of the big reasons for it is because that outer circle stuff, it reflects on us as parents, doesn't it? And our pride kind of gets connected to that outer circle stuff that our kids do. We tend to focus on that because when the outer circle looks good, when that external circle looks good, you know what happens? Other parents say to you, wow, your kids, man, they are really good kids. You must be great parents. Uh, yes, we are, aren't we? We have this all figured out. We're going to write a book. We're going to go on speaking tours, right? I mean, that's, that's the focus, and it's really easy to kind of get caught up on that. But when the external is our focus, we do a huge disservice to our children. In the same way, when the external on our own lives is our, when our focus on our own lives is external, we do ourselves a great disservice as well. When we focus on the inner circle, we'll equip our children in, in such a way that the inner circle will flow into the outer circle, and the outer circle will ultimately take care of itself. And that's why, as parents, Michelle and I, we, we've tried to focus more on the internal than the external. It's really not a big deal to us if Kale wears his hair you know, high and tight with a nice haircut, or if it's just kind of all over the place. Okay. It's not a big deal if Carissa gets her second piercing in her ears. I don't understand that as a dad, but it's not a big deal, right? Because that's just an, an external thing. All, uh, all the other things will work themselves out if the internal part is right. For us, it's our desire that our children will continue to follow Jesus and will love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And that will happen for the rest of their life. Because I I do believe that if that happens, everything else will work out. Now, it's not going to be all green lights and walks in the park if you do that, okay? There's still going to be trials and struggles and and life will throw its difficulties at you. but, But I believe that with that foundation, they'll be able to handle anything that life throws their way. Whether they handle it well or not is a different story. But at least we've done what we're supposed to as parents to give them that uh, equipment, those tools to deal with it. And I hope that, that we as parents, that we're not only just teaching our children these things, but we are modeling it as well. They need to see it. It's often said that these things are caught more than they're taught. That they see what you do more than they hear what you say. Parents, I want to tell you that that your your children need to catch you reading your Bible and praying. They need to see you doing those things. You need to take them with you when you serve someone or when you you are helping someone in need. Share with them uh, how you give money away. Let them in on the decision-making process on, on how you make those types of decisions. You have to model that for your children so they will learn. I've had the privilege of baptizing all five of my kids only got pictures of the three because the others were before digital, okay? But um, it, it was something we talked about as a family. It, it's something that, that they'd seen many times. My children understood the fact that, that I would leave the house and be gone for the evening because I'd be going to another family's house to be talking about what it meant to be obedient to the Lord through baptism. Those were great teaching moments and opportunities for our children. And it allowed them the opportunity to ask those questions and to contemplate and make their own decisions. Our children could see through our actions that that was an important step to take, to surrender and to be obedient and to to say that that this is something they want to do to honor God. And those inner circle moments impact the outer circle moments because it gives them an opportunity to look back and say, this is a commitment I made at this point in my life. And it's our prayer that they would continue to make outer circle decisions based on the decision that they made to honor God. That will affect their life. We desire for our children to follow Christ above all. And parents, if you have not made that decision yourself to follow the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not impossible for your children, but it's more difficult for your children to make that step as well. They need to see that modeled in you. The second part of what I want to suggest we learn from Jesus from this statement as being important is to love your neighbor as yourself. Obviously, that's what Jesus said. But I'm going to break it into two different parts. We look at the second part first. The second part is love yourself. I want to suggest if you understand the love yourself part, then we can better understand the love your neighbor part. And to help us understand it, I want to suggest that children need to learn how to love themselves accurately. And while there's a lot of aspects on this when it comes to parenting, I want to suggest two things that we need to help our children realize when it comes to this loving themselves properly or accurately. The first one is this. They need to know and to realize that they are special. Every child is unique. Every child is special. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Children need to understand this, and our role as parents is to help them understand how they are unique, to help them realize their gifts and their talents and and their passions and to identify those and help them figure out how to use those things. But it's not always easy, right? We've all seen, if you haven't seen, then you can very easily. Um, uh, You've been to the the t-ball game or the little league game where there's the one dad. Need I say more? The one dad who is always yelling at his son, Hey, get your head up, get in the game, come on, here we go. 
and, and he's, he's really pushing his child. And, and if oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the, the scenario plays out like this, that the dad is really into baseball. And the son's out there playing air guitar to the song going through his head because while he asked for a guitar for Christmas, what he got was a baseball bat. Because his dad is almost living vicariously through his son. And the son would really rather be doing anything else. But the dad wants him to play baseball. And the dad is really not paying attention to who God designed his son to be. Now, now that sounds like I'm bashing fathers. Can I, can I tell you something? If it weren't for the grace of God and my loving wife, I would be that dad. Okay? I love baseball. It's my first love. I absolutely love it. I'm a long-suffering Kansas City Royals fan. I was at the 85 World Series when they won it all. So I, I know, you know that, that excitement. Um, I, I love baseball. And my dream was for my son to love baseball. So Cale, he comes along, and he is left-handed. I prayed for a left-handed son. You know why? Because the fastest way to the majors is to be a left-handed pitcher. I don't know if you know that, but that, that is. I mean, you can throw like 60 miles an hour and get to the majors if you're a left-handed pitcher. And so that's what I wanted for Kale. And so I was hitting grounders, and we were playing catch, you know, getting all into this, signing him up for T-ball, which was actually a coach pitch league, because, you know, that's my son. He's a little better than just the T-ball stuff. So, of course, I signed up to help coach the team, right? And so I'm going to help coach. And in about the fourth or fifth game of the season, Kale's playing second base, okay? And he's, he's out there, and the coach is getting, you know, the batter lined up, and the coach is getting ready to pitch the ball. And, and I look out at Kale. And I ask his permission to share this story, so it's okay. But I look out at Kale. You know what Kale's doing? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm in the dugout going, Kale! Kale! What are you doing? Right? What I taught him to do was as the pitch was getting ready to come in, you know, get on the balls of your feet, you get, get down to fielding position, so you left, right... Right? I mean, baseball players, you know this, right? Without skipping a beat, Kale just looks at me and goes, I'm watching my shadow. (laughs) And I don't know that it was in that moment, but it was shortly thereafter that, that I realized that baseball is really not Kale's passion. He's really good at a lot of other things, don't misunderstand. But unless something drastically changes very soon, a career in baseball is really not going to be in his future. And that's okay. I want more than anything for Kale to be who God's designed him to be, not who I want him to be. Every child needs to understand that they are special and they are unique and God created them in a specific way. Realize their gifts and talents, not the gifts and talents that dad thinks they should have but the gifts and talents that God gave them. And I think it's important that every child understands how unique, how special they truly are. Now, having said that, I think children also, they need to realize that they are ordinary. That they are just simply ordinary. And I know that may sound weird, especially in our society today, that to say that kids are ordinary. Culture, it's real easy for children to think that they are the center of the universe. Thing they do oh, and on social media, right? Here's the YouTube link. My son, right? Does it? I mean, kids roll. 
I would suggest that you need to understand. This. Some, some parents really go forward to explain how special their, their children are and how they do no wrong and how best things since children were invented. And oftentimes, children feel special, but they deny the fact that they are ordinary. Children grow up um, in, in an environment where they don't understand what they're doing, and it begins to plague them for a lifetime. Because if they grow up with this idea that they are the center of the universe, they're not really prepared to handle uh, When they cutting out, yeah, let me try pushing that back in. All right, there we go. Is that better? We'll see what happens. So, um, when they go to, go to school and the teacher doesn't give them special treatment, they don't know how to act because they've always received special treatment because they always get what they want. They get married and they begin living a self-centered life. <laughs> Let me know how that works for you. Um, you get a job and you go to work and you don't like what the boss is telling you to do. And so you call your parents to fix it, Right? One of the reasons I think a lot of people struggle is because they, they grow up with this sense of entitlement. And that's not a political statement of any stretch of the imagination. It's just that they were never taught, hey, you are ordinary. You are special, just like everybody else, right? And I know it may sound strange, but when our children feel ordinary, it allows them to understand that they're sinners, just like everybody else. And it's important for them to realize that truth, because if they don't, they may not realize that they are in need of a Savior, a Savior who died on the cross for them to, and raised from the grave for them so that they could have a relationship with God. They may never realize how much God loves them and how much He desires them, because they are ordinary. For your children to love themselves accurately, I really believe they have to understand how unique and how special they are, but they also have to realize how ordinary they are, just like everyone else. They need that balance in their life. And when they learn to love themselves accurately, they can do the third part of what Jesus says is important, and that's love others. They can love others. Love others compassionately. Now, there's a lot we could talk about here, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. And one of the reasons for that is because, honestly, if we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love ourselves properly, this is going to be an outflowing of our life. It will overflow into the people that we come in contact with, and we will compassionately love them because that's who we are. Not because it's what we're told to do, but it's because of who we are inside. We need to teach our children how to love others. In our Treasure Park ministry, which is our birth through fifth grade, they take up an offering each, each week. We take up an offering in here. They do back there as well. And they send their offering to different places to help different people. They provided food for an event at the Cherry Tree Club, which is a preschool serving homeless and at-risk kids in Mercer County. They bought a study Bible for a child in need. Currently, they are supporting the East Trenton Center with food donations. When our children grow up understanding that the world does not revolve around them, they will seek opportunities to serve other people and to help other people. And it's something we as a church family are trying to teach our children, that they have Lots of nice things here, and there are others that don't, and we can help, and we can serve. Parents, I want to encourage and challenge you to carefully select what you teach and what you demonstrate to your children as to what is the most important thing in their life. How do you spend your time on the weekends? Do you pray before meals? Do you serve or volunteer at your 
kids' school or their activities? Do you sacrifice? What do you talk about as a family? You know, one of the reasons that Diana made the decision to go to this orange curriculum is to provide assistance to families so that we can partner with you to discuss spiritual issues. The take-home sheet that we provide every week is not because we hate trees and we're trying to kill them. It's so that we can help you have that conversation with your children. It's important that you talk about these things. We need to model these things for our children. Parents, it's a huge responsibility to have kids. You know this. And this morning, I want to encourage you with uh, two more things. And we've kind of talked about them, but I think they're worth repeating. The first one is this. We need to be encouraging. We need to, we need to encourage our, our children. It's hard for me sometimes to be encouraging. And I know this is, this is one of my major faults, and there's many to choose from. But this is, this is a big one. I'm a detail-oriented person. I can tell which chairs are not in rows and in line here. It, it drives me crazy, right? When you leave, you leave them very crooked. I just want you to know, right? <laughs> it's really okay, but I notice things like that. Everything has a place and everything needs to be in its place. I am a little, you know, CDO, which is you know, OCD only in the right order. So um, I, I get that. And when that spills over into my kids, it's really not very healthy. Because I will say such things as, hey, Caitlin, you did a great job playing guitar on that song. Except you missed that one chord. And you know what she hears? You played it wrong. You need to do better next time. Even though she played it really well. Our kids hear that negative side. One of the most powerful things we can do for our children is to catch them doing something right and then encourage them in that. Use every opportunity to encourage them. Don't just always point out when they're doing something wrong or they will continue to do something wrong to get your attention. Find them doing something right. Researchers have found that in the most strong and healthy families, there are at least five positive interactions for every negative interaction. And when that ratio begins to break down, so does the strength in the relationships of that family. And parents, you are smart enough to know that there are going to be those negative interactions with your kids. Unless you've got the perfect kid, which you don't. And so because there are going to be those negative interactions, there's going to be the times for discipline and the, and the times that, that you have to do those things, then you need to be sure and be positive. The one thing we know in the parental job description is we will have to discipline our kids to correct and point out what's wrong. We know that. So we need to respond as often as we can with love and understanding so that the relationship will remain strong. We need to encourage. The second thing is we need to make your children your priority. I want to encourage you to do that. You need to spend time with them. It's often said that kids spell love T-I-M-E. This can be really hard in our society. We just sent a, spent a whole series on margin talking about how very important it is that we, we spend our time and we invest our time well and, and how much our children need us. And it's not about making more money so you can spend more money so they can go away to camp and have all the stuff that they need. It's about investing your time in your children. 1,500 kids were asked, what makes a happy family? And the most common answer was doing stuff together. My friend Tony shared a story of a middle-class family back in the 1940s. They'd uh, been saving for about a year to update and remodel their bathroom. And as they had enough money saved up, they invited their, their children to join them in the process of picking out the colors and the fixtures. One of the kids said, 
has said, hey, uh, instead of remodeling the bathroom, what if we went on a family vacation? So after some discussion, that's what they decided to do. And they headed out to Yellowstone National Park, and they had a great time. And the next year, they began saving up to remodel the bathroom, and it came time to pick out the fixtures and the colors again. And the kids said, hey, let's go on another trip. And they did. And for 10 summers, the bathroom stayed the way the bathroom was, and they took family vacations. In the summer of 1950, their son was killed in the Korean conflict. And as it turned out, on the night before he died, he wrote a letter to his parents. And in this letter, he thanked his parents for all the happy experiences he had growing up, especially remembering the annual family trips they took together. The letter arrived to his family a few months after his death, and they sat down in the living room, and through tears, they read the letter together. And when they finished, the father looked over at the mother and said, Can you imagine a son riding home, thanking his parents for the fancy bathroom he had growing up? I think it kind of speaks to the fact that we need to prioritize our time together. And parents, can I tell you, at least my experience, the most difficult part of being a parent and taking care and raising my children is me. I'm the biggest obstacle to my kids because I have my own hang-ups, my own mistakes, and my own things and issues that I deal with. And my guess is, so do you. That as parents, the one thing we need to understand is that we, we all have made mistakes and we've all done things wrong. And maybe the first step for you today is to begin by forgiving yourself for your mistakes. By asking God for forgiveness so that you can start fresh with him. Maybe you need to forgive your parents for the mistakes they made. Maybe you need to go to your children and ask them to forgive you and start over. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Some of you, you need to break the cycle, and it needs to start now. You need to do things different. You need to draw the line in the sand and say, with God's help, through his grace and through his love and through his mercy, things will be different. And you begin to pray for God's peace and his guidance to direct you as you parent your children and as you live your life. You begin today instilling a love in your children that they will love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their strength. You begin teaching them and demonstrating to them how to love God that way, how to love themselves properly, how to love other people. You do that in a healthy environment where you encourage your children and you're making them your priority. The fact of the matter is, when you're in the midst of it, when you're getting no sleep and you're changing diapers every two minutes, when you're getting no sleep and you're watching the clock hoping they'll come through the door safe, and anywhere in between, when you're in the middle of that, it seems like it's never going to end. But the reality is, and there's several of you out there that are on the other side of this, you look back and before you know it, they make you a grandparent, Right? They surprise you with what they said. They get ready to head off to college. They express themselves through the arts. They become very skilled at completing complex things. And you realize what an amazing responsibility and what an amazing privilege it is to be a parent.
And the way you feel about your children is the way God feels about you. Do you get that? He loves you so very much that he gave his life so that you would come into a relationship with him. And here's where it gets really tough because it doesn't always work, parents. You can do your best and the child still may decide to go a different direction. That's just a reality because each and every one of us has the freedom to choose. And if they choose to walk away, as parents, we pray and we hope and we're patient and we, we hope and pray that they will return not only to us, but more importantly, to a relationship with the Lord. One of the things that, that Michelle and I came to realize from the time Carissa was really little was that our children, they're not really ours. They're really God's. And he saw fit to entrust them to us for a very short period of time. And so we're going to do the best we can faults and all, to prepare them to spend eternity with God. That's the main thing. And I want to encourage you and challenge you as parents to make that the main thing, and for you as an individual to make that the main thing in your life as well. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I pray that as parents that we would honor you with the way in which we raise our children. Father, as children, would you help us to honor our parents in the way you've called us to honor them? And Father, as, as your children, may we seek that relationship with you and may we never forget the love and the grace and the peace that you offer to us and your desire to have that relationship with us. God, help us as we walk in our life to make sure we're walking with you. Encourage us. Speak truth into our life. Send people that can do those things and can hold us accountable and can demonstrate your love in some mighty ways. We love you, Father. We can never thank you enough for loving us. Thank you for being with us always. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you this morning uh, just to stand and uh, worship. If you want to talk to someone, you can make your way over the cross. We'd love to talk to you there. But let's worship the Lord, worship who He is, and thank Him for being who He is this morning. Stand with me. Ian's going to lead us. Let's sing.